Oh, let me give you a couple of announcements before I forget. And in fact, go ahead and take your Bibles. To Proverbs 24 will be there in just a second. But um, no visitation on Saturday. Saturday's a family Saturday. Everybody's still, we've still got a lot of people out of town from Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff. So we'll have one more week of no visitation. Sunday, though, is our Vision Sunday. We're going to introduce our new theme. Got a lot of things that I want to give you. We have a lot of things that we're going to try to accomplish this year as a church, and hopefully that you will be able to accomplish individually. And um, man, it's really exciting to see how many people have finished reading through the Bible in a year. And by the way, I came across another uh, an app, um, and, and we're not going to do this as a church this year. But if you enjoyed being able to read through that, and, and honestly, it's 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 some accountability, even if it's only to yourself you know, and, or into a piece of paper that's in front of you where you're checking it off every day and making sure that you do it. But this app, and it's called, uh, it's called Reading Plan, and it's all one word. If you type it in two, you're probably not going to find it, but Reading Plan, and you can set it up however you want to set it up so that you'll, you know, you can, you can do it by uh, lots of different things. Um, I, I think you can, I haven't really explored it as deeply as I would like to, but um, um, you can set it up so that you can read the Bible chronologically, or you can read it with, you know, the, the prophets and then Psalms and Proverbs and the New Testament. I mean, you can do lots of different things, and it keeps track of it for you, like what you've read and what you haven't read. So um, that may be something that you'd be interested in to, to help you read through the Bible again this year. But um, a couple things. Um, we have a new uh, candy list. So um, it's out there. So we, I think, did you, Alex did it tonight. He was the last one. So we got a new list going into the new year, and then we also have a new usher list, too, and a couple new ushers to add on there, too. Uh, Jonathan Jones is going to jump in and, and be an usher, and uh, Craig Harver is going to do ushering, too, so uh, it'll be good. We add a few more and kind of space everybody out a little bit more as well and, and get some more people involved in some of those things, so that'll be good. And um, one thing that I'll ask you to pray for, actually two things. Number one, I, I um, we have a printer down in... Uh, Florida, and that's where I get everything printed. And they do. It's a it's a it's a Christian publisher. It's a ministry of a church down there, and uh, they're the ones that published the uh, the uh, verse book that I wrote and all that stuff. And I mean, all the bulletins and lots of stuff that I get printed. They do almost all of it. Um, they're they're professional. They're fast, and they're usually cheaper than some of these other places. And they're Christian, so that's who I want to go with. I, I sent them our, um, uh, I've already got the bulletin shells back in and everything, but I sent them a little booklet that I'm trying to, that I, that I needed for Sunday, and uh, I hadn't heard anything from them, so I, I emailed him today, and he said, boy, you wouldn't believe, we had, we had hurricanes that came through, uh, a guy that does all of our setup stuff died from COVID, I mean, just one thing after another, and he said, I haven't even printed your books yet, and I'm like... I need them for Sunday, you know, so, and I just found that out today, and uh, so um, I'm going to try to go to a local printer tomorrow, but pray that they can get, I mean, because then Friday is New Year's Eve, and a lot of places are closed to things, so pray that, uh, that I'll be able to get those done, and I, and I know we use that term very, you know, very uh, flippantly or loosely, you know, pray for this, but really pray that we can get those. I, I, you know, that's part of our whole, everything that we're doing this year, and it's got everything in it, and I want to give one to everybody to be able to have for Sunday, so pray that we can get those done. But then also something else to pray for, um, I am very, very close to being able to, and I've talked, with, I've talked with Kevin, talked with a couple other guys in the police department, but I'm very close to being able to do a Bible study with, our, uh, with Henrico Police. 
And um, I've, I, I can't say that I've gotten 100% approval, but I've basically gotten approval and just pending on time and place. And so um, pray about that. I think that'd be a great opportunity for us to, you know, to, uh, to get the gospel in, but also just, just an opportunity to, to spiritually influence some officers. And um, it'd be great if they come to church, but, you know, the church is bigger than these walls, you know. And um, I, think, I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make, a lot of churches make, is thinking that if it doesn't happen within the walls of the church, then it didn't happen, you know? <laughs> and it's not true. I mean, we, we are to be in the community, and that's, that's one of the, you know, the tenets, if you will, of, of who we are, preaching Christ with compassion in the community. And sometimes it involves taking the church outside of these walls, and that's what we're trying to do. So... Just pray that we'll be able to get those, you know, that everything will fall into place and we'll be able to get that done, and, and um, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us. But tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit about the family, and uh, pretty, a pretty light subject tonight when it comes to the family. Um, next, next week, I'm going to get into, uh, to get back into talking about some of these different cults that we've gone through and things, and we're halfway through uh, Seventh-day Adventist, and so I want to finish that up, but because we had people out and things, I, I decided to wait one more week, but I think this will be helpful for us. The Bible says this in Proverbs 24, verse 3, through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, in, in our family growing up, I, I think my parents intentionally tried to help us feel happy at home. Um, we're trying to do that now with our own kids. O- over the years, my parents did all kinds of stuff in, you know, board games and uh, dartboard and foosball table and zip line and just all kinds of stuff, you know, made up games. My dad was really good at that, just making up games and, and, and I mean, nights and nights and nights on end playing that game over and over. I think he enjoyed it as much as we did, which is probably why he wanted to do it, but... Uh, we use we use those things as as well as special family outings for them to look forward to, and so our ultimate goal as a family is to um, is is for family life to be fun, for family life to be to be memorable, and for our home to be a place where our kids want to be both now and someday. Uh, it ought to be a place that they enjoy, but it ought to be a place they want to come back to. You know. And that happens now. When I was in high school, I, I remember coming to a specific conclusion. And I'm not exactly sure when because I don't know if there was a time when I actually sat down and thought this specific thing in my head. But I remember thinking it very specifically that I would much rather be at home than anywhere else. I enjoyed hanging out with my friends, but I would much rather be at home with my friends than at their house. Um, my parents would go out of town every so often for business trips. And I say business trips. They, they had a it was, it was kind of an incentive that they had with their company that they did, Invisible Fence, and if you sold a certain number of them, they got to go on these trips and things, and so they would go out of town, and we'd stay at people's houses, and I just remember, uh, you know, this is just, it's, it's fun for the first day or two, but this is not home, and I want to be at home, that's where I want to be, you know, um, but imagine if your kids enjoyed being home more than anywhere else. What if, what if your kids grew up and actually looked forward to coming home, Right? Uh, Andy Stanley, not exactly on the same page as we are uh, doctrinally and everything else, but he had, a, he had something good to say. He said, we want to raise kids who one day want to spend time with us even when they no longer have to. What a great goal, but that doesn't happen by accident. You have to be intentional about creating that because 
If you're, not, if you're not working to create that now, it's not going to just happen later. Now, you might be able to mend fences and whatever else and, you know, eventually break the ice and get them to want to be at your house and everything else. But how do we make our homes irresistible to our kids both now and later? I can't claim uh, originality with this list, but I expanded on, on this, on each of these points. I found this list, and I thought it was a very good list. And so I want to share with you tonight and add some things to it about making your home irresistible to your kids. How can we make our homes irresistible to our kids? Number one, make your home a place of fun. The greatest memories your children can have should surround your home and their time spent there. Um, sure, you can go on vacations. Sure, you can, you know, they're going to be involved in playing sports and doing different things. But uh, the greatest memories that your kids should have should be around your home. I want that to be true of our family and I'm guessing that you want that to be true of your family as well, but family life should be fun. Laughter should be normal. Good memories should be made. How do you make that happen? Well, uh, sometimes that can happen through entertainment and technology. I mean, we, we all, I say we all in our family, we like the Cubs. We like uh, UVA basketball. Um, and sometimes, you know, when they, you know, the Cubs won the championship in 2016, I mean, it was the greatest thing, you know, uh, the, and it's, it's something that, you know, you remember as a family, same thing when UVA won the national championship a couple years ago, as things that, that really stick out, you remember those things, but most of the memories that you make are not made around technology and entertainment and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to TV and video games and that kind of stuff, uh, it, entertainment, but some of your children's greatest memories should be of you playing together outside, should be of you wrestling around at home in the house, you know, doing those kind of different things. And I, I've told you before about some of the games that we used to play, but my dad made up all, we had a, so our house was a split level. So it was a, you walked in and you had your main level and then you could go upstairs or you could go downstairs. So it was, it was two stories, but the second half of it was, un, you know, was basement. And so we had this little set of stairs that had probably seven or eight steps on it, I guess, and we had the run-across game. My dad had this little soft soccer ball, and you had to run across. It was, a, it was a little hallway up there at the top of the steps, and you had to run across without getting hit. If you got hit five times, you were out until the last person was there. I mean, we used to beg every night to play the run-across game, you know? I'm sure Brian remembers that too, but, you know, and then, and then you get creative and you start pushing people out there and they get hit, you know? <laughs> But it was fun. It was a lot of fun, you know. And then, and then it turned into uh, my dad bought a dartboard, five bucks at Walmart, or probably not even that much, just a cheap set of darts, you know. And, and uh, we put it on the wall going out to the garage. And my mom pulled that thing off of there eventually, and there was a giant circle with nothing on the door and holes everywhere else, you know. I mean, it took as much patience from my mom to let us do it as, as it did for my dad to come up with these things. But it was the greatest thing because, you know, hey, t t supper's over. You guys clear the table, do the dishes and all this stuff. And my dad would say, hey, let's go play a game of darts. You could drop all that stuff and run and play darts, you know. And you had to fix it. You had to finish it later. But while, while dad was doing it, you were allowed to do it. And then it turned into he bought a foosball table. And every single night, foosball, foosball, foosball. Let's go play foosball, you know. But we loved it. It was, it was so much fun as a family. And you know, wrestling around on the floor and doing all those kind of different things. But the more you make home a fun place to be, the more your children are going to associate home with enjoyment. And if, if all you do is play video games or allow them to play video games or watch television or 
you know, play with your phone, then it's not going to be fun. There's nothing special about home at that point. So make your home a fun place for your children. Second thing is make your home a place of peace. Turn over to 1 Samuel 25. The world's not a peaceful place, but your home should be. 1 Samuel 25 and verse number 6. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. Luke chapter 10 and verse 5. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. There's a lot of other verses that talk about having that peace, and even peace at home. It's pretty obvious that God wants our homes to be places of peace. But when your kids come through the doors of your home, they should know that that's a place uh, where they can find peace and comfort despite anything that's happened during that day. And when they're younger, you know, the, the worst thing that happens is somebody said something mean to them on the playground or they got a bad grade or something like that. But as they get older and they start having, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends and, you know, real life experiences and things like that, the world's going to hit them between the eyes and they need to have a place where they can come where they know that there's, it's going to be a place of peace no matter what happens. And no home is perfect, but your home ought to be the closest thing to heaven on earth for your children. And I, and I know that, you know, uh, that it's not always going to be that way. There are times when things are tense or things are, you know, there are struggles because of finances or, you know, relationships or whatever else. But that not, but that not ought to be what character, that not, what, what am I trying to say? That not, ought not to be, there we go, what characterizes your home. It ought to be a place of, of peace and, and a place that... Uh, that is a, is, a, is a comforting place. And so to get that, that requires that as parents, you choose not to argue in front of your children. Does that mean that you're never going to have a quick disagreement or something like that? No. You're going to have those kind of things. Um, but if you do have an argument, number one, it ought to be when the, either the kids are not there or when you're in your bedroom by yourself where they don't hear the dishes smashing against the wall and the, you know, the bed being flipped over and all that kind of stuff. No, that ought not to happen either. But um, those arguments, if there's going to be, and, and honestly, I, I'm not, I can't say that in 15 years we've never argued about something, but it's, it's more of just a, a disagreement about something here or there. there ought, it ought not to be that you're constantly arguing and bickering and fighting with each other, especially not in front of your children. And so there, there shouldn't be slamming of doors and yelling. You know, your kids ought not to be allowed to do those kind of things. Um, you know, there ought not to be fighting constantly. Are they going to get along 100% of the time? No. But they should get along 95% of the time, and the 5% that they don't get along, they should be being yelled at for not, being, for not getting along, right? And fine, then I'm going to go to my room, and you slam the door. They ought, if that ever happened, there would not be a door on those hinges. Amen. There might be a little a curtain that they could slide over so that they have a, some little privacy, but there would not be a door on the hinges if they walked into that door and slammed it. And they ought to know that that's not acceptable. They ought to know that this is not, that's, the home is not going to be that way. And so that requires that parents model that, that behavior in their home as well. And so uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, you can turn there if you want to. You probably don't even need to, but it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. But let the peace of God rule in your hearts. If you have the peace of God, the real peace of God, those things are not going to be characteristics of your home. And is the devil going to fight and try to make that a, a, a way that your home is? Absolutely, he's going to do that. And so the temptation 
maybe especially if you have a, a temper or something like that, is going to be there. If you have kids who have a natural bent toward having a temper, it's going to be there, but don't allow it. Just because, well, I don't know what to do. That's just the way he is. He's got a, he's got a temper. No, he shouldn't. Don't let it happen. Don't let it be that way in your home. It's hard for you to tell your kids not to fight and argue when you're doing the same thing with your spouse. It's hard not to tell your kids not to slam the doors when you're doing that yourself, right? So your home should be a place of peace. Mother Teresa, again, not somebody we uh, are too fond of, but she said this, what can you do to promote world peace? Go home and love your family. I think that's, I mean, she's exactly right with that. Go home and love your family. You make your home a place of fun. Make it a place of peace. Number three, make your home a welcoming place for friends. And by that, I mean this. Relationships matter. The right relationships can be a springboard to your children's success, and the wrong relationships can be a springboard, if you will, to their failure. And you see that happen so many times within the police department especially, but in so many other places. And um, most of these people who end up with a criminal record and in jail and out of jail and all that kind of stuff, they can trace that back to what? I got mixed up with the wrong friends. I got mixed up with the wrong crowd. I started running with the wrong crowd. Most of it didn't start at home necessarily, but obviously the parents did not follow up enough to make sure they knew who their friends were, did not pay attention enough to make sure they knew who their kids were hanging out with, and what had ended up happening is they allowed their children to use those friends as a springboard to be in the wrong place, the wrong time, doing the wrong things. And so uh, as a parent, you have to leverage your influence to cultivate your children's relationships as close to home as possible. And by the way, you have authority when your kids are young, but all you end up with when they're out of the house is what? Influence. And so you need to use your authority in such a way that you will be able to yield that influence later on. Amen. When my kids get to be 25 years old, I'm not going to be able to tell them, don't do that and expect that they don't do it. I mean, but if I've raised them the right way and I've cultivated that relationship all the way to that point to where they're 25 years old, then I should say, hey, I would strongly suggest that you don't do that. And that influence matters with them because... I've cultivated that influence. And, and again, that does not happen when they're 18, 19, 20 years old. That happens when they're 8, 9, 10 months old, 8, 9, 10 years old, and on from there. You have to use your authority in the right way because, yes, if you tell them do this, they're going to do it. They have to, or they know they're going to face consequences, right? Um, but it matters how you go about that. It matters how you wield that authority as to whether or not you're going to have influence later on. And you are trying to structure that. You only have them for 18 years, right? You're going to have influence or whatever influence you have left is going to last a whole lot longer than that, hopefully. So, uh, but getting to know your kids' friends, make your kids' friends comfortable in your home. Make that, make that a fun place to be. Make it an engaging place to be. Make it a place that your kids' friends want to be. And if that's the case, then they'll all want to be at your home. So, you know, have, having food or toys or games and activities and things for your kids and their friends can be a helpful advantage. Uh, because for me, I, I want to make my home a place where kids like to come because that's where I want my kids to be anyway. I have to be so careful about where I allow my kids to go. Um, they're not just going to go, oh, I met these people at such and such and man, they seem like good kids. Can we go spend the night? You know, we got kids that live on our road. 
And they don't know them that well, but, you know, we've, we've been trying to get them to church and things like that. And, hey, if they asked if, those, if my kids could come spend the night, the answer is going to be no. I don't know what you're doing in your home. I don't know what you're allowing in your home. And everything that I am training them not to do and teaching them not to do and keeping them away from, they very easily could be exposed to all of those things, and I would have no idea what they're being exposed to. Amen. So if you want your kids to be, in, you know, if, if you want our kids to spend the night together, then they can come spend the night at our house. They can, they can come have fun at our house, you know. Uh, you know, and so just, just like the conclusion that I came to when I was a teenager, I wanted to be around my friends, but I wanted to be, my friends to be around me at my house. And that's what my parents, I think, did a good job cultivating. I wanted them to see what a fun home ours was. And a lot of my friends still talk about the things that we did when we were growing up at my house and the things that we did together. When I was 12 years old, I, it, was, it was my 12th birthday, and uh, I mean, we always had all kinds of things going on at our house. And I'm telling you, I, I, I could get into a list of all, and I say all kinds of things, stuff that we created, things that my parents created to do. And uh, my dad, for a long time, swept parking lots. Um, you know, you see these parking lot sweepers at Walmart and things. He, he did that. He owned a company doing that. And um, there was a place that he swept the parking lot for called Discovery Zone. And Discovery Zone was, uh, you remember those old ball pits? They don't, they don't do them anymore because they're so unsanitary. Now they wonder why all the kids are sick nowadays, right? You go jump in a ball pit for a couple minutes and you're going to be immune to just about anything that comes down the, down the pike. But uh, you know, throw up in the ball pits at McDonald's, and nobody knows until some kid walks out with it all over his pants, you know? But uh, anyway, every so often, they would get rid of all of these balls from all of their ball pits. And this place was a place that was like a giant McDonald's play place. I mean, that's what it was. And so uh, they would throw all these things out in these mesh bags, and they didn't even have enough room for them, so they put them all next to the dumpster. And my dad brought all those things home. And uh, we, uh, we, we had a swimming pool full of them. You know, I mean, not, not an in-ground, but like we, we bought one of those, you know, pop-up swimming pools, filled that whole thing with those balls. Uh, they had all kinds of mats and things like that that you could, I mean, we, we had all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I had my, had, and I, we didn't really do a lot of birthday parties and stuff like that, but I guess because I was turning 12, my, my parents let me have a bunch of friends over that day. And so here we are all jumping on the trampoline in the backyard, and my dad is hitting those plastic balls with a bat and, you know, points to whoever catches them and different colors were different points and everything else. And this newspaper reporter drove by our house and stopped and took all kinds of pictures and everything. And there it was on the front page of the local newspaper, you know, here we are jumping on a trampoline, catching these balls that my dad's hitting with a bat, you know. And uh, they still talk about that. They still remember it. You know, all of them got their picture on the front page of the paper too, you know. But it's, it's things like that that you know, your home ought to be a place that your kids' friends want to come to because they know it's gonna, they're going to have a good time. They're going to have fun. And so the second part of that is, uh, is I want my kids' friends to like coming over because they're, they're not going to be allowed to go to a whole lot of other kids' houses. And if their friends like coming over, then that's where they're going to hang out anyway, you know? And, um, I mean, things, it, it's... Well, you're, you're sheltering your kids too much. They're going to see it and hear it eventually anyway. And maybe they will. But I'm going to protect them from those things as long as I can. Amen. I'm going to keep them away from those things as long as I can. Amen. Yeah, they're going to eventually see it anyway. And it's going to be a temptation to them in, in who knows how many different ways and, and how many different things there are going to be that are temptations out there. And so they're going to get enough of that filth without even trying. And if I can protect them for just a little while longer, then that's what I want to do. 
And so, they're not watching television. They're not playing these video games. They're not doing those things unless I'm there with them. Um, and I'm, not, I'm certainly not watching things that have stuff in it, you know, that, that I would be ashamed of having them see. Or, you know, how can I get up and preach against these things and then let them sit there and watch it, right? Um, but it's even deeper than that. It's more, it, it is a testimony, but it's even more than that. It's I want to protect them from those things. The longer they go without seeing those things, the longer they go without knowing those things, the more they're going to want to push them away later on, and the more they're going to be protected against it. So make your home a place of fun. Make it a place of peace. Make your home a welcoming place for friends. But number four, make your home a place of safety and security. Home is a place where a child should, should be able to feel safe, where a child should feel secure. Um, children's sense of safety and and security comes from knowing that they're loved. Um, that's one of the things that these kids that are growing up without a father in so many broken homes um, are missing. And they feel very insecure because they don't know that they're loved. They don't, they don't have anybody that proves that they love them. Same thing when they're growing up in homes without a mother and everything else. But they, they also get a sense of security from boundaries and rules being clearly explained to them. And enforced. It does you no good to have a rule in your home if it's not enforced. Uh, you can have all the greatest rules that are out there, but if you don't enforce it, it's not, it, it doesn't help anything. And well, that was kind of a gray area, so I guess I'll let it go. You can't let it go. You have to enforce those rules. I remember when Alex was, uh, this was a couple years ago, played his first basketball game down at, at Gill Grove at, at school. And they, they do it for some of the younger kids, and they don't have practices or anything else. They just they get out there, and they, you know, they grab the ball, and they try to put it in the net, and that's all they know. And Alex, I remember him playing in his first game, had no clue what he was doing. He didn't know if he was supposed to be going this way or that way or if he was supposed to grab the ball or once it finally accidentally hit him what he was supposed to do with it when he got it. He had no idea what the rules were. And he's, he's obviously, you know, it's, he's gotten older and, and he knows how to handle the basketball a little bit better and he knows the rules and that kind of stuff now, but then he didn't. But I just started thinking, could you imagine what it, must, what, what it would do to him if one time he dribbled the ball and got called for traveling and the next time he did the exact same thing and didn't get called for it? Or he goes up and he hits somebody and, and gets called for a foul, but then he goes up and gets hit the same way and there's no foul called. Or one time the ball's out of bounds because he ran across this line, and the next time he runs across the line and nothing happens. He would never learn what the rules of basketball are, right? There has to be boundaries, and if there's no boundaries, the game of basketball is not fun. You ever played basketball when it's like a pickup ball and you call your own fouls, and as soon as you call a foul, everybody's like, hey, you didn't get fouled, and they keep playing, you know? Or the ball goes out of bounds and somebody says it, and they're like, that didn't go out of bounds, right? I mean, it's not fun when there's no rules. And so, obviously, then, as much as people hate the referees, the referees have to be there to make the game fun. Because if you could, you know, somebody's dribbling the ball and you could haul off and punch them when they weren't looking, the game of basketball is not fun, right? Or if there's no out of bounds and you could, you know, dribble it off the wall if you wanted to and keep going, it's not fun, right? There has to be some defined rules in order to make the game exciting, in order to make the game fun. And that's the same thing that has to happen when, when, you have rules in your home. What's the point of having rules? Same thing. What's the point of putting lines on the, on the floor if, you know, somebody's behind the three-point line by a foot and you give them a two points, right? Or they're standing just under the basket and they get three points. Why do you even have lines on the floor then, right? 
Or if you dribble it out of bounds and you come right back in and they don't call it. Why, why put lines on the floor? And the same thing is true. Why have rules? Why have boundaries in your home if you're not going to enforce them? Kids need and, I'll say, want boundaries. They're never going to say that, oh, well, I don't, you know. They want boundaries because as long as they know what those boundaries are, there is safety and security within those boundaries. And safety and security proves love. Love proves that safety and security. And also, you can't shy away from being the bad guy. And a lot of people don't want to be in that position. Well, I, don't, I want my kids to like me. By the way, this is, this is one of the huge downsides of, of broken homes. They go spend time with dad, and he wants to be the nice guy so that you know, they'll, they'll want to be at his house. And then they go spend time with mom, and she wants to be the nice one so that they want to be with her. And so kids never get disciplined. They never get any kind, you know, it's always, I want this. Okay, here, here, take it. Like me better. Like me more, right? But believe it or not, that exact same thing happens within a home too. Well, I want them to like me, and so I'm just going to, well, you know, I'm not going to follow through with that. And you wouldn't say it that way, but that's the thought process that happens in five seconds in your mind, and then there's no boundaries. There's no rules. And people shy away so often from from giving out discipline and enforcing those rules because they don't want to be the bad guy. Your kids might not like it in the moment, but in the end, they're going to love you for it. Same way that, well, I didn't like the ref calling that, but at least he called it the other way too, and, and, and it was fun, right? The game was fun because somebody was there to keep and enforce the rules. But also, on the other side of that coin, you also cannot hesitate to give your kids that love and affection. And I think sometimes what happens with, within, uh, within our homes is that, you know, we're attempting to raise manly boys, so we can't show them any affection. Um, and, and that doesn't help either. Uh, you don't have to, you know, smooch them on the forehead every night or something like that to make them think that, you know, I love them and they're going to know that I love them. But you ought to tell them that you love them, right? You ought to treat them in a way that they know that you love them, even when you are punishing them for something that they've done or disciplining them for something that they've done. Um, they ought to know that you love them and, and they need to be loved and they need to be told and shown that they're loved. By the way, and this is a, this is a topic for a, for a different night, but one of the reasons that, when, that kids, when they get into that teenage-ish age, end up rebelling against their parents, parents, and especially mothers, but parents in general, have a need to be needed. When your kids are born, my kids need me. They will not survive without me. And they need to be needed. Parents need to be needed. And as kids get older, kids don't need their parents near as much anymore because they can do so many things for themselves. And kids need and want their freedom. So what ends up happening is parents and kids butt heads because the parents are saying, no, you need me. You can't let me go. I, you need me. And the kids are saying, no, I don't need you. You got to let me go. And, and it ends up where they're butting heads, and they're, they're, they're just constantly pushing up against each other because the parents' need to be needed overrides the kids' need for freedom. And because you're the authority, your need to be needed overrides their need for freedom, and they end up rebelling because my parents don't give me any of that freedom. That I, Your job is to train your kids to have their freedom and to know how to act once they get that freedom. So I'm not saying go let them do anything that they want to do. There still has to be those boundaries, especially if they're living in your home. And it doesn't even really matter how old they are when they're living in your home. 
If they're in your home, they're going to follow your rules. But they also need to have that freedom. And you are going to have to learn how to let go of that need to be needed. That's a different subject for a different day. But that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why children rebel against their parents. It's because they need their freedom, but the parents won't let go of that need to be needed. So here's the last thing about making your home a place uh, that's irresistible to your kids is make your home a place of unconditional love. And it goes right along with what we said. But turn over to Luke 15. Make your home a place of unconditional love. Your home should be a place that your children know that they can always come back to no matter what they have done. Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go if they cannot go home? There's nothing wrong with them knowing that you're going to be disappointed when they get back. Um, but they should believe in their hearts that there's nothing they can do that will ever change our love for them. And that's exactly what we see in the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, verse number 17. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He realized that even though his father was going to be disappointed, he could come back home and his father would accept him. And he wasn't wrong. Look what it says in verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. I think that's the greatest key of all to making your home irresistible. I really believe that a lot of children are lost to the world because they had parents that were so godly that they wouldn't allow their children to come home unless they were right with God. And I understand that if you have a kid that's run off into the world who's not repentant and not willing to fit in with your rules and everything else, and you still have kids at home, then it's, you really can't let them back home um, without influencing the rest of them. Do something else to let them know that you unconditionally love them, but they got to know that they are going to follow your rules, especially if you have children still at home. But, but they also ought to know that when they have nowhere else to turn, especially if they're willing and ready to get right, they can come home, Amen. even if they're not perfect, because they're not going to be more than likely. If they've run off into the world and made big mistakes and everything else, they ought to know that they can come home. And I think, I think first of all, the reason why people end up in that position, I think it has a lot to do with, the pro with pride on the part of the parents. As long as, as long as you're going to be an embarrassment to me, you're not welcome to show up in places where you're going to be seen with me. Right? I mean, they would never say that out loud, but why wouldn't they let their kids come home? Well, you're an embarrassment. I can't, I can't take you to church and let people see what you've become, right? But there's also a teaching in 1 Corinthians 5 that tells us that we shouldn't associate with someone who calls themselves a Christian and doesn't act like one. So, well, I can't, I mean, the Bible says that. I've got to be that way with my kids. I can't, I, can't, I can't associate with somebody who claims to be a Christian and doesn't act like one. But to say that that applies to somebody who is a member of your family is, is to ignore one of the main points about the story of the prodigal son, Amen. Right? He came home to himself. He, I guarantee you when he came home, he still looked like he just came out of the slot pile. He didn't have time to go clean himself up before he came home. I guarantee you he looked like somebody that lived in the world. 
He didn't have time to go. He didn't even have any money or anything to be able to go clean himself up with. And yet the father ran out there and kissed his neck and you're welcome home, you're here, you know? And of course that prodigal son was, was also uh, repentant as well. But turn over to Colossians 3 and we're done. If, if your child is, is living a lifestyle of sin away from Jesus Christ, you, you can't pretend that everything's fine either. You can't just accept their sin and allow it into your home. You, you know, well, uh, he's my son, so he can come home and drink, and he can do his drugs here, and he can, you know, bring all the women he wants to and all that stuff. No, you, you can't allow that either. But they have to know that you love them, and they can always come back home. I can guarantee you this. The world is going to be waiting for them with open arms. They will be glad to run back into them if the parents are not waiting with open arms at home for them to run into their open arms. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Isn't that the way that Jesus deals with us? Isn't that the way you want him to deal with you? When you start getting the idea that, you know what? This lifestyle is not for me. This lifestyle is not pleasing to God. Where do I turn? You want Jesus Christ to accept you. You want God to forgive you. We ought to be willing to do the same for our children. And I know there's, there's different ramifications depending on what it is and depending on the situation and everything else. But your home ought to be a place of unconditional love. Your kids ought to know that that's where they can go when they've hit rock bottom. If there's any place I can turn, I can turn back home. Amen. And these, you know, each of these five ideas is important, but none of them is instant. You're not just going to say, you know what? I want my place to be a place of love. Son, I love you. All right, my house is a place of love. No, it's something that has to be cultivated. It's something that has to be done over years and years and years worth of time. If you want to ensure that your kids are happy at home, that ultimately rises and falls on intentionality as parents. You have to intentionally make your home a place of fun. You have to intentionally make your home a place of peace. You have to intentionally make your home a place that's welcoming for your kids' friends. You have to intentionally make your home a place of safety and security. You have to intentionally make your home a place of unconditional love. It's not just going to happen because you want it to be that way or because you hope that it's that way or because you hope that someday they'll come back to you. You have to do that and you have to do it now. You can do it, but you have to be intentional about it. It's not just going to happen by accident. So let's focus on making our homes places of fun. Because when the environment is right, and everything is fun at home, then what also ends up happening is that makes the, the spiritual breeding ground very soft as well. If your kids hate being at home, then they're not going to accept the things that you teach them at home either. Let's make our homes a place of fun. Let's make our homes a place of peace, a welcoming place for our friends, a place of safety and security, and make them a place of unconditional love. And in the years to come, not only will they want to come back home, not only will they want to be with you, not only will they want to be back where they remember everything that was the way that it was when they were kids, but you're going to have that influence that you need when you're trying to help them as they get older. You've got to do it on purpose, though. You've got to intentionally make it happen. And we can. we just got to work at it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the opportunity you've given us 
uh, as individuals, but even as a church, to help raise these young people up for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'd help us to have homes that are pleasing to you. And I believe if, if we have homes that are pleasing to you, then they'll have all of these elements. And if they have these elements, I believe there are going to be homes that are pleasing to you. So I pray that you'd help us as we raise our kids to raise up another generation of Christians who will carry on what you've given to us and what we've been able to do up to this point. pray that you'd help us again to be the witnesses and the testimony for you that you need us and want us to be. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.